Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to Stars Matter, recruiting podcast in the Until Saturday feed. I'm Mitch Light, joined by our illustrious cast here. We're all back together after a week, uh, well, a week off for me, but joined by Manny Navarro, covers the University of Miami for us and recruiting. Busy week for Manny. He was up in Orlando at the Under Armour All-American Game Media Day and practices, then down at the Orange Bowl. So you had, uh, I, I don't know how to phrase this, but maybe some of the Under Armour kids, if Build a roster of those kids, Manny. Could they have beaten that Florida State team you saw? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the one that took the field against uh, Georgia was probably like a JV squad. Uh, when you go back and you and you look at it, uh, definitely not a, a, a ACC Power Five type team. Um, Mitch, my question for you is: Did you like the intro last time? Yes, much okay. better. I, I recovered, right? <laughs> Much better. Yeah, a kick save and a beauty. I, th- thank you. Uh, the kind words are always nice. Also joined by, speaking of kind words, the kindest person we know, Grace Rayner. Oh, um, I thought you were going to have to talk about me. No, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, college football reporter for us. Grace, too, was down in Orlando uh, for the Under Armour. Spent a few more days there than Manny. And Grace and Manny uh, tag-teamed and did a great job on our recruiting confidential that was published first thing Wednesday morning. Talked about 20 plus high school recruits some great questions in there we're going to get to that in a bit so i guess this was your third time uh, at under armor i think so yeah that sounds right yeah yeah it's a cool Maybe it's dad like one, you know we're on a podcast like here we talk where like <laughs> it's just cool because it's the one place where you get to see everyone at once and all the kids who it's hard to get in touch with throughout the year they're there and, and they make realize, them available for you right they like they sit yes. them down and be like you are going to talk okay yeah, it was great. I got to see Manny. It was. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Good. I got to just can I, can I add that Grace has like she's got like cool points. Like the guys who recognize Grace are like, "What's up, Grace?" Like they're no, really cool with her. No. Nice. She's definitely like well known. Street cred. All no, right. No, no. Street cred on her. Yes. All right. Good to hear. Speaking of street cred, joined by Ari Wasserman, our national college football reporter. Ari. Basically, his life has no meaning now. He's he's made yeah. a career off of Stars Matter, and we have a national championship game with Washington in, in, in Michigan. All right, we're going to get into this more later. But what does it feel like not to have a not to matter anymore? It's uh, I'm going to have to work through it. I'm yeah. having a hard time. <laughs> yeah, and, and I also wasn't invited to Orlando, so I really don't know where to turn. <laughs> yeah, although uh, you were invited on a media tour yesterday, as you had to basically face the country now, right? Yeah, I. <laughs> going on nine podcasts this week to talk about how much of an idiot I am. I don't know. I don't even know why we would send people to a, to the Undercomer camp. It clearly doesn't matter anymore. I know. So, <laughs> exactly. Uh, why are we even covering it, if we're being honest? <laughs> no, I think it's a very interesting situation this year. It has certainly we will changed my viewpoint yeah. um, on what is possible. You know, I, I don't think yeah. the things that I think are no longer true, but I have to be more nuanced and more open to alternative alternative 
likelihoods and scenarios like we got this year. And it's a good learning experience. And I think the most important thing anybody can do, um, whether they're journalists or, you know, breaking down or representing anybody um, is to grow, learn, adapt and, and use experience and what you've seen to help gauge your thought processes and um, viewpoints moving forward. So yeah. I think I've been pretty good at that. I'm stern. No, I, I, I agree. I'm, um, we, we kind of, we obviously reference make fun of the stars, the stars don't matter national title game, but let's kind of go around and, you know, this recruiting podcast, but just kind of thoughts on what we saw Saturday from a football standpoint and how surprised we are by the developments. Like I'll start real quick. I picked Monday, you mean, right? Monday. So I picked Texas and I picked Alabama, but I thought all four teams were pretty evenly matched. Not really surprised by anything we saw that was Clearly a great day of football. I think what we see with Washington is a, a a transcendent 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 quarterback and a kind of unique situation with a bunch of six year seniors that have really bought into the new staff. Like Ari and I have talked a lot about this lately. I think Michigan's more of a, a better example of the stars mattering trend because I, I think this Washington's a unique set of circumstances. Michigan just a great team. Um, you know, both sides. And Michigan has walked the path. That's the most yes. important distinction. Yes. Okay. You you start I, first. All right. That was my little spiel. Yeah. You, you, you go first. PCU made it to the national title game last year, but there is a distinction, and we talk about it on this show all the time, between super teams and developmental or non-super teams. And people think that super teams means how good they are or what the spread of the game is or any other way that you can kind of look at the two teams before they play. But all super teams is are for the psychos um, like us and the people listening to the show who pay deep and close attention to talent accumulation out of the high school ranks and the teams that have been able to accumulate the most. Um, it's been an embarrassment of riches for three or four programs over the course of the past 10 years. Um, Alabama, for instance, had 18 five-star prospects on their roster and Michigan had two. So even though Michigan was favored for our purposes, the super team was Alabama. And Michigan was favored to beat Ohio State. They did. Ohio State, based on the way that they've recruited, is the super team. So when I say super teams, we're talking about the recruiting juggernauts that have so many good players, they don't even know what to do with them, and have, for the last 20 years, won the national championships in a very consistent rate, especially in the CFP era. So I think it's possible to get somewhere, but my contention with the possibility of getting somewhere is that eventually you're going to have to face a team that is built that way athletically from a recruiting standpoint. Washington, funny enough, could win a national championship this year and never have to beat any of them. They never played any of them. They beat Oregon twice. Very impressive. They beat Texas, who was a fringe you know, group A team or super team, and they would beat Michigan. I'm not saying they wouldn't be deserving of the national title. But usually there's a big, bad Georgia or Alabama or Ohio State waiting at the end of the line for those teams that are, are the Cinderella's. Um, and I was always of the mindset that if your team is not built that way, you simply cannot win a national championship because your team will falter when you play a team that, much like TCU season ended a year ago. They were a very good football team, a developmental program. They did well in the portal. They played Georgia, and Georgia dropped 60. I didn't think it was going to be that dramatic, but my thought process coming into the playoff is that in these settings, the cream rises to the top. The teams that are athletically superior from a recruiting standpoint usually win. Nothing happened on Monday. It was terribly surprising, I guess, but my picks were Texas and Alabama to play for the championship for those reasons. So because Michigan was able to beat both Ohio State and Alabama in two of three games, 
They have accomplished something that I did not think was physically possible. And I use the word physically intentionally physically in the game from a physical standpoint, did not think they could do it. Um, I was wrong. They are able to win a national championship and moving forward. I can no longer say it's impossible. It was, it's never happened yet before it's happened now. Many thoughts on the quick thoughts on the games and kind of uh, uh, thoughts on Ari's kind of black and white stance. Like either you can or you can't. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I picked Alabama and Texas to win two for the same reasons. I thought I agreed with Ari's assessment pregame and, and on our show last week uh, where we sat there and we, and we broke down the rosters and we counted five stars and four stars and, and did the whole talent thing. But one thing that, that I told Ari and, and I think most people agree is that the COVID year has thrown everything off. And I think yeah. while this may be one of those unique situations where it was sort of the perfect storm, both of those games were extremely close. Okay. I mean, overtime, Texas had a chance to win it. They were what, 10 yards away, taking shot at, at the end zone. Um, it, it's almost like a special circumstance. I think in the future going forward, especially when we go to the 12 team playoff, it is going to be a lot harder for Cinderella to win three games, right? Like somebody to just sneak in in the back end and be one of those eight to 12 teams, right? And and go on a run where they can beat Ohio State, Alabama, or Georgia in a row and win the national title. I just think it's 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 going to be a lot tougher. And I think ultimately when, when we get rid of the COVID year and there are fewer sixth and seventh year guys in the years ahead, that advantage that Michigan and Washington clearly took advantage of at certain positions like quarterback with Michael Penix, um, in, in Michigan with, with guys that are in their sixth year as well and on their defense. Um, it's just not going to be there. And I think ultimately talent will win out. So I still believe in the stars matter mantra. I just think this year was the exception. Grace. I agree with basically everything you guys just said. I mean, I also did wait, did all four of us pick Alabama and Texas? We host a podcast called podcast. Stars Matter. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So <laughs> I went back. I, mean, I almost picked. Um, I almost picked Washington, but I talked myself out of it. Um, but yeah, I think the portal's a big part of this. To your point, Manny, development when you're when you've got fifth and sixth year guys. Um, I thought Michigan up front was probably the most impressive thing I saw in either one of those games on Monday. Just the way that they their defensive line dominated Alabama, I thought was a huge difference maker. Um. But yeah, I mean, I don't know that I view it super black and white. Like, I still think that that the most talented teams are going to win the most. Uh, but I, I don't think it's impossible. And I, I don't know. It's just hard. And that's why I think we like Kalen DeBoer so much is because what he's doing is unique. It's it's hard. It's tough. Yeah. And I've said this before that I, I we've seen quick turnarounds. But from a Washington program that two, literally like two years and now a month lost at home to Washington State and had Washington State fans storm the field in Seattle after winning like 41 to 19 and just a low moment for that program to two years later to be playing for the national championship. Just an unbelievable job by Kalen DeBoer in that staff. And, you know, give him credit for, you know, we hear this cliche all the time, re-recruiting guys when new coaches took over. Well, they re-recruited a lot of those guys, Jalen McMillan, Romo Dunze, um, and they all the cliches you want to use bought in. And then, you know, that when, when you've got guys coming back for their fifth, sixth and seventh year, it's because they believe, you know, in, in the coach and the coaching staff. So uh, just, just really good job by that staff, obviously. Well, here's um, the question. Can I ask this yeah. question to the three of you? Of course. And the thing that I've struggled with, with this, 
is that there are a lot of interesting circumstances that came and played into the season. One, obviously, is that you have a bunch of six-year players from the COVID year. You have a bunch of, of guys who are older, more experienced. And Manny, you did so much research and figured out that Michigan had in their two deep 3,000 snaps more experience than Alabama and, and playing time. Oh, Ari, I thought you looked is, that up yourself. No, no, I, I, mean, I don't even know where you find snap count. Uh, <laughs> I, I, Manny, uh, great work. Yeah. But you have that that factor to it. You have the transfer portal factor into it. And then you also have the factor of, well, Ohio State, Georgia, and Alabama, also all three were not great this year. And Georgia, I think, was probably the best of the three. They ended up losing to Alabama, but they weren't all peak versions of themselves. They didn't have the team that they had a year ago. So how many times moving forward with the way that those teams recruit are you going to get a season in which all three of the biggest recruiting monsters in the sport and we don't even know i don't even know what happened to clemson they weren't even a factor in it this year but the teams that we have grown to expect to be physically superior are going to all be down at the same time um so the question that i have is is this a one-year fluke or a one-year scenario where the teams just all were more evenly matched because quarterback play all three of those places were you know, replacing quarterbacks and weren't like, think about like if Michigan had to play 2019 LSU or 2020 Alabama, there were no teams like that in the sport this year. Or is it going to be every other year where there are teams that are in the 12 to 26 range in the 247 sports composite that are playing for a national championship? I think it's going to be harder in the 12 team field, but more teams are going to get to play in it. It's a very interesting dynamic because now it's no longer impossible that a team like Washington, who ranks 26 in the in that ranking, could win a national championship. But it also seems still crazy to think that a team like Ole Miss or Arizona or any of the other 15 teams that I would have automatically disqualified from CFP contention this year being alive next year. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Like, what do you guys think? Is it one year or is this the new norm? Two, two things on that. And I want to credit our friend Bill Landis for this text. For this Udalabi? Yes, he sent this text to me um, a couple of weeks ago. you blew ago. off? Yeah, totally. <laughs> and, um, Thanks. So, well, it's not, I don't have to apologize to you. I, apo- no, I already no, apologized to him. Landis te- sent him a text okay. that was like in-depth. He's going to read this to you now. And then all Mitch wrote back was thanks. 
I was in the car at a traffic light when I saw it. So I was like, good stuff. Thanks. And evidently I hurt Bill's feeling because I wasn't effusive enough with my praise. Landis so, read your thanks and he told me, he's like, F that guy. <laughs> um, George's average player rating is the lowest number one average player rating since 2020 in the third lowest of the last decade. 19 teams have, have an average player rating in this class of 90 or better. That's the most to meet that threshold in the last 10 years. The average number of teams with an average player rating of 90 or better in the previous nine cycles was 12. So sort of Ari's point, you what said... What did he respond? What did you respond to that? I said, good stuff, thanks. And then he did not respond. And then What is he supposed to say to that? You blew him off. <laughs> then I said, great stat. Thanks for sharing. Appreciate it with five exclamation points a week later. And he said, that's the kind of enthusiasm we're looking for. So, <laughs> um, so Ari, you, you bring the point up. Well, Alabama, Ohio State, and Georgia weren't great this year. Well, maybe we are seeing the trend where the super mm-hmm. teams aren't quite so super, which we all want to see. But I want to I want to bring something else out. And and Ari's Mr. Ohio State, so he needs to answer this. But I want everyone's thoughts on this. At what point do we not consider Ohio State a super team? I know their recruiting rankings say they are Ari, and we've talked about this when their recruiting rankings are carried to the elite status by a bunch of players at the same position, and mm-hmm. we're seeing those guys transfer, they're recruiting their roster, the overall strength of their roster at the key position of the offensive defensive lines does not match their recruiting rankings because they're p- positional heavy, if that's not the best way to say it. But so yeah. I, I think Georgia and Alabama are now in a different tier, and while Ohio State, the numbers might say they're, they're close, I don't think they are. From the super team stats. Well, I'm going to do old dad one better, and I'm going to I'm going to throw this right back at you. You know, it's like a okay. ping pong match. Alabama is the most or the second most talented team on paper in the history of the sport this year, in in the, in the history of us tracking stars, the second most. So more than 2019 uh, LSU, more than 2020 Alabama, more than the Clemson teams, all of the best teams that won national championships. This team has more raw talent on it. And yet somehow it had deficiencies at wide receiver. It had an offensive lineman that couldn't snap the ball. They were unable to replace the running back is pretty good, but not great. Why does Alabama have five holes on their roster when the whole point of this talent accumulation is supposed to eliminate those problems? You're not supposed to have a single hole. How, you know, we're talking about an Alabama team that once had TJ Yeldon, Alvin Kamara and Derek Henry in the same backfield. We're talking about a team that signed Henry Ruggs, Devontae Smith, and Jalen Waddle in the same recruiting class. That's a super team. So my question back to you, because I think that the talent distribution on your roster is clearly important, and I think everything you're saying is true. You know, in the past, I've just taken the accumulation of total talent and assumed that it will bear out because the wealth and the difference of those players was so drastic that it didn't matter. But now it's clearly starting to matter more to the point where the second most talented team on paper in recruiting world this year had three offensive position groups that were questionable. That to me is like, how did that happen? That makes no sense. They didn't even have a a backup offensive lineman to put in there to snap the ball properly. If Alabama had one more backup offensive lineman who could snap the ball properly, they would have won the game. And I'm not talking about the final play. I'm talking about the entirety of that football game. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, no, great, great. So what are your kind of thoughts on, on whether or not we're seeing the erosion of the super team? Because because that stat that that great stat that Bill Endis sent me. <laughs> and, He's a genius, uh, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. So, um, 
or is this just like Ari said, a one year blip where everything aligned and all those three teams were, were needing a new quarterback? I still think that if we're looking at like the true super team, I still think it's Georgia and that they're still kind of in a tier on their own. And obviously this season was what it was. They lost the game. You have to win, but um, I still kind of think they're operating in their own league from there. I think the parody has definitely heated up. Um, I'm with you, Ari, the Alabama conundrum makes no sense. It's why we picked them to win that game. But I don't know. I mean, I think the 12-team playoff is going to make it. We're going to have more parity, but I, I still think the cream rises to the top, and I won't be surprised if we're a year from now talking about Georgia winning another title. What are you texting us, Ari? Ari's oh. showing us a phone, which we can't really read. That's Landis. That. I said we are talking about your statistic on Stars Matter today that you sent Mitch, and Bill Landis responded, tell Mitch I said, quote, good stuff, thanks. Quote. <laughs> 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 yeah, he's uh by the way, you see Julian Fleming just committed to Penn State. So I guess it's not Ohio against the world, right? Was it, is he the Ohio against the world guy? There's Ari? a lot of uh global issues happening right now in war and stuff. I don't like the verse the world thing anymore. It's yeah, just okay. it's, it's you know, um I don't know. I think that it is very funny that the best player in Pennsylvania went to an Ohio State Penn State road game and wore a T-shirt that says Ohio against the world on the sideline, and then three years later is transferring back right. to Pennsylvania Penn State. That is funny. I think it's um, weird these interconference intra you know interconference transfers. Like I'm still I'm all for transferring all, but it's just weird when guys just switch teams and like Travis ATM is it Trevor Trevor ATM going from Georgia to Florida or Florida to Georgia. It's just really weird. I, I mean, that's a rivalry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Penn state, Ohio state. Um, yeah. So Manny, we got to move on. We, but, but kind of what are your um, thoughts on what we've been talking about? Um, you know, you're, you're, you're close to Miami. I know Mario's trying to build himself a super, a super team there, uh, trying to elbow his way into that tier right there. Are we past that era? I just think because of the transfer portal, especially now with the rule where you don't have to sit out, you can do, multiple transfers and, and not have to sit out a year. There is going to be some erosion to this. And I think part of the issue that we have here, especially with my little exercise of putting those charts together, Ari, for, for us to read last week, the reality is there's only about 45 to 50 guys every year that are ever even really part of a rotation, right? And so when we, when we do the average player rankings and we do, you know, what, what, you know, talent accumulation, we're counting a bunch of extra five stars and four stars in Alabama and Georgia that never see the field, right? As freshmen. So I we're think adding that's part of it, Manny, not to interrupt yeah. you, but that's part of it because if you have 85 scholarship players and they're all top 100 guys and 40 of them stink, that still means that 45 are really, really good. Like even the no, ones that don't see the field and, and take part in the game, like I think that's part of it because that means that the 45 who don't see the field aren't as good as the ones that do, which is what makes these teams so crazy good, right? No, I mean, it gives them, it, it gives them depth, but I think it, it also sometimes gives this perception that when you say Alabama's got 78 blue chippers out of the 85 scholarship guys, and, and then you say, well, a team like Michigan only has 40 out of the 85, it makes the gap seem a lot wider when in reality, you know, it, it, it's not that wide because the guys who are actually on the field playing it's a smaller number. It's just a smaller gap. That's my, that's my whole point. And I think 
especially now with the transfer portal. And you look at how many guys for Georgia have entered the transfer portal. And I've, I've been tracking this all for stories that we're going to be doing in the weeks ahead. Like there are a lot of talented players who sat the bench at Georgia for a year or two that are leaving now because they just weren't part of the rotation. And they're, and, and, and my point is these superpowers are getting, there is an erosion process. They are getting weaker. I think because of the transfer portal, that's all I'm saying. And this is yeah, obvious too. That thing is important, but like also too, if you have really, really good players who are on the bench who are leaving to other player to other places because they're not in the rotation, that means the people who are in the rotation are really, really good. Yeah. And like in a place like Georgia, if you have the reason why the gap is big is because if you have 78 out of 85 blue chippers, that means that when the cream rises to the top, that that the, the 22 players who play on both sides of the ball, there are no holes. Now, where your point is, is if these guys are leaving faster at the bottom that aren't as good or great as the players who play and somebody blows their knee out or they get suspended or, you know, have to miss a game for any reason, they don't have the players to come back in and play at a high level immediately. How many times have we seen Alabama won a national championship game because they put a backup quarterback in at halftime? Like, are those days dead? And, right. you know, he was a freshman, so maybe not. And freshmen don't <laughs> seem to leave, but An it's just top five pick. <laughs> I mean, who gets about to do that, how right? Alabama just went through an entire season with a center who funny he's enough, the, was he's the in the only, transfer portal, by the way, he just been through the transfer portal. He was the only non blue chip player on their offensive line, which I thought was kind of funny, but who couldn't snap it all year. And they didn't have anybody to replace him with. And the answer to that is, the replacement is probably on TCU's roster now. Like that is like, oh, it's is the, the most like talented roster in the country, or but they talented. do have the most. And we got into this talk yeah. yesterday. It's like, even with that, they still have more talent on their roster than the Georgia team that won two years ago. How did this happen? So I want to go back banana to land. Can you say banana are, land? Yeah, sure. We're, we're um, say it. One, one flaw of the team talent composite is obviously, why won't you say it? Who banana land? Yeah, that's all I just wanted you to hear you say. It. It's, bana- okay. it's banana land. It's banana land. <laughs> <laughs> you happy? Is like teams like Georgia and Alabama. And this hurts those teams because the two four seven team talent composite reflects like what players were as recruits on your roster. So like Georgia, Ra Ra Thomas transferred from Mississippi State. Name. He's a three star. They get London Humphreys from Vanderbilt, who's a three star. Let's say he's a big contributor, but he's still only a three star. Where some of the five stars might be leaving. So. This is just obvious, and I know it's over the course of an 86-man roster. It all averages mm-hmm. out. But with the transfer portal, these elite programs, a lot of the recruits they're bringing in weren't high recruits, blue chippers coming out of high school. They went to other programs and ex- excelled. Yeah. That so it's just and that's what Florida State was this year. Yes, exactly. That's all Florida State. Florida right. State was um, an, undefe- an undefeated team that got left out because of an injury. But think about all of their best players. Who are they? Johnny yeah. Wilson, Eon Coleman, Jared Verse, Benson in the backfield, Jordan Travis, they all transferred in, and they were all three-star or worse. And that doesn't I, account for it. And that's why I wrote at the column in the beginning of the year after they beat the crap out of LSU. Remember, Mitch? Yeah. I said, this is the first time where I actually think that a team could win a national championship without having the the 247 Sport team talent composite data behind them. And I was right. I just picked the wrong team. 
Is there some sort of time zone issue? Like I know Ari and I are, it's one thirty central here. Is it like 1130 Eastern time? Grace looks like she needs to. I literally feel dead inside right now. <laughs> many, many I, down, down in Miami. It looks like you it's guys go get hammered at SeaWorld or what? <laughs> I, I will say I drove by SeaWorld probably three times. And every That's- time I left, I was like, <laughs> oh man. That's awesome. Did you, um, did you guys stop in at all, uh, Grace, while you drove past and think, hey, maybe we should talk to these people about wedding and honeymoon packages? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we did not, but I, well, I don't need them. I have firsthand information from Manny. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. The the the, the, the Mister SeaWorld. So let's about let's talk about you guys' trip down there. And, I'm gonna wake up. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I thought the uh, recruiting confidential. You guys did talk about 20-something kids was really interesting um, today. Obviously, the NIL stuff will get most of the traffic, and and people can go read that. My favorite part was the trolling the fan bases. That was a great idea for a question, Manny. Basically, every player you talk to admitted that they do troll fan bases on social media. So keep that in mind, recruiting fans, whatever. When a prospect tar- tweets something, take it with a grain of salt. He's probably just trying to get you all excited. Yeah, I mean, I think the honesty with that one was kind of fun because I think deep down inside, like I've always sort of suspected that's what they're doing, right? They're just sort of pissing people off a lot of times when they get on Twitter and and Instagram. And it's all about like just seeing what they can, what kind of rise they can get out of people and um, to have them sort of just echo it and, and and sort of agree with with the question and say, yeah, I kind of did that. I'm a little guilty of it. Made me, made me laugh. Um, You know what they're doing? Hmm. I wasn't there. I didn't report it, but it's just a way to get more followers. Yeah. Well, I, like yeah, I think it's yeah. like also, I don't know if it's this deep, but like, I think it's also kind of possibly linked to NIL because more like they get your follower count up and then all of a yeah, sudden you're a sure. little more endorsement. Uh, I don't know. You have a little bit more cachet there. They're enjoying their 15. Well, some of these guys will have more than 15 minutes of fame. Some of them won't, but they're, you know, why not? Why not? They're, you know, if I got to tell you guys, if I were a recruit, I would behave could you imagine my behavior? <laughs> <laughs> Five officials. The Eric Dickerson who like with the story where he took the uh, the, the Corvette that, that Texas A&M gave it and drove it to sign his letter of intent with uh, SMU. Ari would, Ari would make I that would, look the same. I would sign or take as much money from as many people as possible. Uh, and then I would pick the place that I think would develop me the best. That's how I would go about it. But I would take all the five officials. Um, I would you go to Alabama on if you're Everybody not because they can't develop a snapper. Um, I would. I probably would he end up at Alabama. Center. Yeah, I think I'm, there snap the ball. Yeah, I'm not very good at snapping unless what my wife a, asks me to get up off a, the couch right when I start <laughs> relaxing. Were you a guard or a tackle when you played, Ari? Um, I was a tackle and guard and fullback. Fullback. Wow. And score. It was because I was so powerful and imposing on my opponents. I was actually the biggest wuss ever. And very <laughs> soon into my high school career, I left the football team to be a teller at Chase Bank. <laughs> I didn't like practicing at Arizona at 315 in, in August. It wasn't my thing. This explains hey. so much. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. 
Learn more at marines.com. We don't do much of this like kind of inside baseball stuff, but Manny and, and Grace, we d- you, d- you did a little bit at the Under Armour camp, and I've never been there, but they have kids at the tables who are available for media sessions. How do you guys go about on these anonymous surveys and you know getting kids to trust you and do they do they kind of know what you're going for these guys look so just tell us and tell everyone like kind of how you guys put that together well i i just kind of anytime there was an opportunity where the group was sort of done interviewing that player and i had a few minutes extra i would say hey can i do some i'm doing something anonymously it's not going to have your name attached to it but these are just questions we'd want we want answered the kids that I knew it was easier to do because they they could re- they recognized me. We had a relationship. So, um, but the ones I didn't know, I kind of had to explain it a little bit further. Um, but you know, Grace was kind of the policeman for me because there would be other reporters uh, that would kind of come and stick their microphone in when we we're trying to do this anonymous stuff. Nice. And she's like, "Hey, she's like, hey, no, no, this is like anonymous. Like, don't record this." You well, know? <laughs> I didn't know. Good job, Grace. Bad cop. I just didn't like, okay, as you saw in the survey, right? Like there's a lot of, uh, there was a lot of Nick Saban answers for most arrogant coach. And I'm like having this nightmare where like this kid, you know, blah, blah, blah says Nick Saban is so arrogant. And I'm like this, you know, these people will never talk to us ever again. Yeah. Uh, one thing that we, we I didn't know that Grace was a bouncer and an all-star <laughs> yeah. point guard. She, she was. She was. One thing that, that you guys do whenever we do talk to coaches as recruiting co- confidentials where we did like states, whatever, we, we go above and beyond to try and protect people. Like we'll have high school coaches that'll say, I had a kid last year signed with Alabama. It's like, well, you know, we can figure that out. Figure who it that, is. Right? Who it is yeah. and stuff. <laughs> so I, I think the only we did those series of state confidentials. I think in the Tennessee one that was Rex Road and David Ubbin did that someone figured out who one of the coaches are. And there's probably a few more of those. And in those coach ones, it's not a big deal. Like in these, I went through, I took out any answer that I thought would come close to revealing a kid so um, so that they, they don't lose trust in, 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 in us, in the media. Because, you know, we, we and another good question was the media thing. Some kids are like having, you know, dealing with 15 calls a day or something. Just Just yeah. really interesting stuff. Good job on that, guys. Thanks. How about the kid who said he went to Georgia just for the free chicken? I thought that was the greatest answer of the entire thing. I was like, I want to be this <laughs> kid's friend. Must be good, must be good chicken. I'm like, what is it, this Georgia chicken? Yeah, I'm like, what is it? We talking chicken I, fingers? I should have asked more questions about that, Grace. When I when he was talking about that, I I thought to myself, like, I, he, we were kind of on a roll, and I was trying to speed through it, <laughs> and I was like, I got to go back to the chicken question, and I never did. So that's that's it was on so me. funny. Like his execution was just perfect. He's like, sometimes I went just for the free chicken. <laughs> Uh, we won't ask if he signed with Georgia because we don't want to give away his uh, his uh, his uh, name. All right, so it's been a slow week. You guys did a good job wrapping up the kind of signing signing day from the week before last week. Uh, in the past week, we've had one commitment: five star defensive lineman Dominic McKinley had been committed to defense to Texas A&M, but was one of those kids who committed to A&M but did not sign. He flipped to LSU uh, from Lafayette. Louisiana five-star number 27 overall number six. Now, Manny and Grace probably looked at this. I'm saying, guessing Ari didn't. So this is not a trivia question, but I want to ask Ari because I, I looked this up. There are 464 blue chippers in the 247 composite this cycle. All right. How many do you think are unsigned? Not uncommitted. Some of them are committed. How many are unsigned of the 464? Percentage-wise? Percent or, or raw number. Oh, okay. you got to add one, right? Who? Oh, um... Uh, Ryan Williams, right? Um, is he reclassified? Oh yeah, I don't have him. I don't know why I didn't have him. 
Okay, so it's one more than I have. So I don't have the percent of the raw number. So out of three six out of four sixty four. Um, hold on, I'm opening up Google Docs. <laughs> <That's you. laughs> uh, I would say eighty one. No, 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 no. <laughs> I realized that that was like twenty five percent and was way too high. I was going to guess like eleven percent. Well, it's it, no, it's much lower. It's eighteen. I had seventeen of four sixty four, which is three point six percent. It's eighteen. Only eighteen. Of 464 blue chippers are not committed, um, are not signed. I'll go yeah, because there's only like one or two top 100 kids that yeah. haven't signed yet, right? Well, yeah, Ryan Williams, who Grace mentioned, the Terry Bussey, the uh, the athletes committed to Texas A&M, uh, McKinley, Gatlin Bear is going to be a really interesting one, number 43 overall. Grace talked to his high school coach a couple of weeks ago. Sounds like if, if Jim Harbaugh is go- it, it stays at Michigan, he's going to go to Michigan, and if not, it's a Michigan-Oregon battle there. Um, Xavier Mincy, uh, Manny committing on January 6th, number 55. Is he yeah. a Miami guy? You think? I think he's going to Bama, but that's okay. just me. Okay. Bama always gets a cornerback at the end. Yeah. And now so, roll tide. Yeah. So then, um, I don't want to go through all of them here, but see if there's any more no- notable guys. Our boy Trevor Jackson. What's the deal with him? What is Did the not deal sign. with him? That is such a that, strange situation. Is he committed anywhere? Yeah. He, he was committed, committed to Ole Miss. Yeah, I thought he, yeah. uh, I thought he decommitted. He, yeah, he committed to Ole Miss, and then I he decommitted. I don't know if they ran him off. Like he didn't have a great senior year, right, Manny? Is that right? He 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 didn't. I don't even think he was a starter because he transferred to a new school, and I think he start. I think he had the job for a little while, and then basically lost it, and so somebody else took it over. And yeah, I think he's just caught in limbo. He's the kind of guy we have to track because I'm willing to bet he signs with the JUCO. And then two years from now comes back and we're like, oh wow, there's Trevor Jackson. Or so, even one year. Because if not, if it's not an academic yeah. situation, you just go and you know, that's actually kind of a wise deal. If you don't really know what you're doing and you don't want to just jump at any offer, like you go to Juco where you know you're gonna play yeah. for one year. Mm-hmm. And then so um I think I read a story a couple years ago in the athletic about how junior college recruiting um by Which, Manny and Grace. Yeah. Um <laughs> good stuff there. Can I, can I try to get in touch with them? Uh, in all three of you, I mean, yes. Yeah, I, I know Grace I'm tried. Texting. I'm texting uh, well, yeah, him right now. Okay, Grace, he could. Uh, we could breaking news on the pod, although it's not live. We're not. So, so he decommitted in October, and then it looks like his most recent offer is UNLV, and then that's kind of been it. Yeah, and yeah. UNLV needs a quarterback, by the way, because their guy yeah. just entered the portal. Yeah, it, it's got to be a he is over rank. Like we have no idea what his career is going to look like. That that teams evaluate him for whatever reason and maybe you know just i mean he looked awesome at the 11, yeah so. that's what i say maybe he's a camp star who knows um i mean it seemed like i don't think there's any off the field issues that we know about it's just just a fascinating situation there um all right let's let's look a little bit ahead to the class of 2025 Ari, right, when we first started doing this like when you i started working with you i think we were like the, it was class of 21 what guys were saying yeah this is this is crazy stuff we're already now at the class oh, of 2025 wow. Um, time flies, buddy. Um, Grace wrote a story um, and dug in a little bit uh, right after signing she did. It's <laughs> <laughs> a little um, sensitive. Um, I just hear those footsteps. I, you called me worthless at the beginning of the show. She's in Orlando. Say, we're, driving by SeaWorld. You're firing on all cylinders today, Ari. I'm, like, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just struggling like, over here. Yeah, well, 
Don't I mean, take I your problems at home under the pot. Just because your wife doesn't think you know how to, uh, you know, conduct yourself. I don't know how to manage time. I'm worthless. Grace is stealing my job. And <laughs> he's doing my research. I was <laughs> like, I'm a loser. <laughs> Ari, you're like the, I think you're one of the best columnists in the whole country because you'll just say exactly what you think and no one ever has to Thanks. wonder how you feel. And I think it's a very great skill. Thanks for uh, building me up, Grace. I needed that today. (laughs) Your columns are so entertaining because I'm like, you're never going to hold back and you're always going to light someone on fire. And I love it. (laughs) By the way, can I, can I just publicly declare my love for Ari on the podcast? Because Ari leaves me little notes all the time. Manny, I love you. He left it in our round table. (laughs) And I I just want to feel the love. Yeah. The the odds of Ari being the first person in that round table, Google doc, were like, you're, you're a gambler, Ari. Like, what what better odds like Vanderbilt winning the SEC in football next year or Ari figuring how to open the Google Doc? I don't know. I, I wrote know. I'm first in the Doc. Like I was first. <laughs> yeah. Like That's a kid like that carved his name in the tree. In. Yeah. Like and Ari's I was still last like, to finish it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Everyone's got their full answers in, and Ari. It's like Ari Wasserman colon. I love you, Manny. Text me back. <laughs> <laughs> I should just run that in the in the in the round table. <laughs> By the way, this morning it's running Thursday morning. Uh, recruiting roundtable with you three and Antonio Morales, where we are, you know, uh, most intriguing five-star quarterback you'll be tracking, non-blue chipper you're, you're interested in watching. Um, so that, that's always a fun read. Enjoyed putting that together. So this was a stat 21 of, and it's still true. I don't think the numbers have changed, Grace. 21 of the top 100 prospects in the class of 2025 have already issued a commitment. Um, eight. Of the 21 are headed to Alabama or Georgia. Five are committed to Oregon or Ohio State. And two are committed to Notre Dame. Now look this up. This is interesting. I found it interesting at least. Um, The top two players in the 25 class right now in the composite are Bryce Underwood from Michigan and David Sanders from North Carolina. The next 18 guys, numbers two through 20, are in the SEC footprint. That's a big footprint from Texas all the way to Florida and then up to Tennessee and Kentucky, obviously. But that's... That's staggering. The top player from California is number 23, a cornerback. That does not necessarily bode well for teams out West. It bodes very well for teams in the Southeast, but we've kind of known this. A lot can go on from now. But, uh, Grace, you know, you, you put that together. He had some other notes in there. SMU was a program that, you know, we talked to Rhett Lashley on the pod a couple weeks ago. They've got four blue chippers committed already. So just uh, some, some quick thoughts on, on, on 25 class right now. I like SMU a lot. I think their NIL uh, pitch is going to make them aggressive. Certainly going to the ACC helps them. Um, I think we say this every year, but if you're not in Georgia, like if you're not recruiting the state of Georgia, you are you are just missing out big time. Like there's just so much talent in Georgia right now. I think Texas is going to try to move into there. Um, and that was one of the things I thought was interesting. Uh, there was a – I can't remember which one it was, but there was a high school coach in Georgia who said that Texas coaches – are doing just as good a job and know just about just as much about what's going on in the state of Georgia as Georgia coaches do, which I think is really fascinating because I don't think they've signed a kid um, at Texas from Georgia since 2019, but I think this will be the right. year. So, right. And as you noted, the two commits, they have three commits in the class of 25. Two of them are one's from Calhoun, Georgia, and then their quarterback, KJ Lacey's from Alabama. So that kind of backs up your point about going, all right, you know, you, you've written a lot and you mentioned in the, the round table about how Texas is having such a good year. And we've, t- we've documented how they have not dot dominated their state they had three of the top 25 or 30 players in texas it's like you, you look at texas like why do you need to go to alabama why do you need to go to georgia but it just proves that if there's players they're going to go there and they know you know that they have a, they have a national brand now that they're even bigger as they're in the sec tyreek hill's house is on fire right now Ty, like literally 
Yeah. Uh, I hope he's okay. Leave, guys. It's terrifying. Go over there. That is yeah. scary. That's interesting. I mean, I, more than interesting. Wow. So I was wondering. I I saw that I could tell when I was talking that you weren't paying attention to me. That you were. Yeah, like, I, I didn't hear a word you said. The flames <laughs> are coming out of the top of the house. Yeah, uh, SEC is super deep and talented and. <laughs> is that your, that's your answer? That was like two questions ago. The point was Texas going into the SEC having yes, committed very, very in, good in Georgia when, in theory, they we think they could just kind of clean house in their own backyard. But the thing that I think is interesting about Texas is they have four or five star prospects uh, signed, and they will probably, by the time the cycle is over with, um, be second to Ohio State, who has five. In total, uh, five star sign, but also have done a really good job of loading a 23 person class with a bunch of blue chip talent. And the funniest thing about it, like you said, is that they didn't really kill it in Texas. I, I think What's that they. We're talking about the class of 2025. What? <laughs> <laughs> so are you that we've been talking about the class of 2025? I'm not done yet. Can I finish okay. my thought, please? Yeah, please do. <laughs> so they were able to sign a top three class with all of these players to go in and do it before they made the CFP finals and seem to be headed in the right direction. So now that I look at the 2025 class, oh, there you go, asshole. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm very interested to see what they're able to do in the following class. When they get this playoff bump, they didn't really do with three straight top five classes, right? Three yeah, I know. Up. But like they could sign like a mega class this year yeah. in a way that they hadn't been doing before. That would put them into that super team era. Okay, question. Will Texas sign a number one class in the next five years? Real quick. I say yes. 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 And the next stat I wanted to tell you about the 2025 class is, is that the top 17 players in that state, in that cycle, are top 100 players. Let's say they get eight of them. Who's to say they can't do that? Now, in Texas, it's competitive. Oklahoma. Yeah, in Texas. Oklahoma, LSU, all these teams are in there. It's hard. It's a big state, a lot, to, a lot of area to cover. But Texas is hot right now, and they have quarterbacks um, for the foreseeable future. There's, there's ways to get onto the field. Sark's a great play caller. There's a lot to sell right now. They sign a top three class without doing great in Texas. What do they do in the 2025 cycle? Is that a good answer? Yeah, very good answer. Okay. Do you think Thank it'll you. take five years for them to sign? No, I just threw out five years. I mean, I just threw out five. Like, it wouldn't shock me if they're in one class in, in the next. They could do it this year. Yeah. So, okay, not not to make fun of the phrase, and and Ari, I know you guys on with, with Ubin, you spent all the time on it. Like, they lost in the playoff, but the, reaching the playoff is a huge step forward for this program. Getting the monkey off its back. I mean, do we look at Texas? How much differently do do you guys look at Texas? Than you did two, three years ago. I I look at them like to me they're they're they've arrived. I know they haven't won anything yeah. yet, but no more of this. Oh, they're going to lose the big game, whatever. Like they're three straight top five classes. They got two number one overall recruits at quarterbacks on their roster right now. Like to me, Texas is there. I I look at them the way I look at Georgia, or I looked at Georgia a couple years ago when Kirby mm-hmm. Smart first got there, and and feel like they're they're going to win a national championship soon. Like it's just a matter of time. It's a matter of can they get over the hump and. Now that they're in the SEC, it, I think it's only going to help their recruiting being being an, an actual SEC school uh, and being able to put that on their resume. I, can I say something back to Grace's point? She mentioned Rhett Lashley earlier, and I don't want to make it sound like I'm kissing his ass because we had him on the show. But Grace, there was a recruit, a very, very, very high profile recruit who spoke in our confidential about how much he liked Rhett Lashley. 
And I only bring him up because you talk about the state of Texas and being able to recruit there and all that kind of stuff. Um, and you mentioned four blue chip recruits already in 25. Like, I just wonder how long SMU is going to be able to hold on to him when he's recruiting like that uh, already. I would think an SEC school yeah. would take well, him here at some point. I didn't know where he went. I think, Manny, we traded texts about this. Ari, do you know where Rhett Lashton went to college? I'll put it this way. They've got a coach who's on the hot seat. Now that you mentioned it, I don't know where he went. I just wrote Arkansas. about him. He did. Yeah, he's one of those Gus Malzahn guys. He play, I, I don't know if he's from Springdale, but like he came up with, with Gus. And I did not know that. It's just so funny how, you know what? It's funny how when you have two hot coaches out there, both who are, you know, obviously being on Stars Matter help their careers immensely. Mm-hmm. But you've got Rhett Lashley mm-hmm. in his alma mater, coaches on the hot seat. You got Jed Fish at Arizona, his alma mater, Florida. There you go. Shane Beamer mm-hmm. could go to Virginia Tech. No, just kidding. He's um, <laughs> selling hope to Arkansas and Florida fans right now. That's what we're doing. Yeah. So we're hitting a lot of teams today, though. Yeah. Uh, so, all right. Let's speak of coaching in the hot seat. Do you guys agree with my list? I just went in and it's, we can frame it as recruiting, but if you're on the hot seat, you know, it's harder to recruit and all that stuff. Billy Napier. I put Tony Yelly down there. I don't know, Grace. You can Virginia is probably a little more patient than most schools, and they showed signs of life. So I might put an asterisk on him. I'll go my list, and we can comment on him. Dave Aranda, Brett Bielema, not quite sure, but hasn't really got off to a good start, but hasn't really broken through. Chip Kelly and Sam Pittman. Anybody you guys would would balk at? Anybody you think um, I should add? Mm. I think Elliot probably has a little bit more time just because they showed some progress this year like i thought they actually showed forward progress and so i don't know who you go get and that's i've got a curveball for you but i don't okay. know all right is ryan day on the hot seat you 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 have to answer I'm not, that. I, was I, was say, I just wanted to ask it i don't know if he's gonna get and he's not gonna get i don't think ryan day ever know. gets fired i think if i think it's more likely there's an amicable divorce at some point if it doesn't work out a legit, just, like, you know what? How many just, times in a row can they lose to Michigan before it's a problem there? Three is a lot more than I thought we would get through, and now Michigan has replaced them as the class of the Big Ten. Um, they're about to win potentially a national championship. Ohio State hasn't made the playoff uh, this year or the year before it or, or two years before it. They haven't won the Big Ten in four years. Um, they had a really good recruiting class, but we don't know what's happening with their quarterback position, which is the one thing that he was supposed to be doing. His staff is built weirdly. Um, I wonder if. And they're hiring a new athletic director because Gene Smith is retiring. I think it's an interesting discussion of like in nine months from now, if Ohio State has another bad year or going into it and loses early or something. I don't know if people are talking about that. Oh, yeah. And, and we have Cam, the producer, uh, jumping in here. What about Dabo? How long does he have there? He's not on the yeah. hot seat, but like how many more bad years does he get before people start getting uncomfortable? I guess as many as the Lord will give them. Let's I great. I, I've thought about that. Let's look great answer that one. I don't see a scenario where Dabo has ever run out of Clemson. I mean, I just think he's there as long as he wants to be there. Uh, now, are people frustrated and bothered by some of his choices and and not being willing to change in some ways? Yes. Do I think he has to hit the portal this year in a major way? He yes. didn't. <laughs> yes. No, he didn't, though. Right. <laughs> he literally oh, didn't. Was, I think he was very high sanity. I'm squealing because it's like the one thing. <laughs> <laughs> Who do they get? Who do they try to get? I haven't seen. I follow all these Instagram uh, college football accounts because I'm on Instagram a lot looking at stuff like 
watches cars and pizza and college football and like i'll look at like and feet and i'm like looking at it and like i say rumor like sometimes like i'll see something on instagram if i'm not looking at twitter that gets me back to twitter and it's like here's a guy who's in the portal or here are the schools he's considering it's like i haven't seen a clemson paw once i will say there's been a couple i mean he hasn't gotten them so until he lands one of them this is kind of a moot point, but I like he was in contention for then the, the Penn State kid. I think took a visit there. Um, the Georgia Tech kid took was that kind of in the mix. I think a couple years ago they offered Osiris Torrance, who went to Florida. Uh, but I agree, like he has to actually go do it and it and it be a a meaningful thing. But I think he's, I don't know. I think he's trying, but his stance on it has kind of shot him in the foot. Because I, if I'm a recruit, I'm like, why would I? Why would I go there with the portal having senior? There is a it. person that did it last year, so we got to look at twenty twenty four here. I was laughing with that. Uh, there haven't there hasn't been a single incoming transfer on the twenty four cycle. I mean, they haven't they haven't used the portal in a meaningful way at all. Period. Yet, like it's, I don't think that's even a discussion. Like. They have taken "quote unquote" transfers, but they have not used it in an impactful way. What's are they going to stink again next year? I think that like the idea of Dabo can stay as long as he wants makes a lot of sense right now. If they stink for three more years in a row or two more years in a row, I don't know if that's going to still be true. Like you build this beautiful masterpiece, it's like painting the Mona Lisa and then like throwing a piece of peanut butter and jelly at it. It's just like, come on. Like maintain it. It's like building your dream car, and then the first thing you do is take it off roading. Take care of it, foster it, water it. It's just it's so it makes me want to jump out of a window. Honestly, um, Dabo is Manny, signed two transfers. Clemson has signed two transfers in three years. All right, Manny, what are your thoughts on that list I put together? Some of the guys you're you're, you're an ACC guy, Tony Elliott, premature there. Yeah, I, I think Tony Elliott gets a, gets time because of what he had to deal with in year one. Uh, especially with the tragedy at the end, it just it would be hard for me to see an administration getting rid of him um, after three years. Um, Billy Napier is, is the obvious one. I, yeah. I think all the pressure in the world is on him. I think he's going to have to play DJ Lagway early. I mean, I know Graham Mertz is coming back, but uh, Grace Grace and I were talking about this. Like, I don't I don't know how. Like DJ Lagway has to be a big part of the selling point for the future there. And if DJ Lagway doesn't play and he's riding the bench the whole year, I just don't see how that ends well for Billy Napier. Um, Dave Aranda is an interesting one because Baylor has been good, but it's really they've really fallen off. Um, Brett Bielema. Well, Dave Aranda and and Sam Pittman were both where the administration had to make a statement that they're coming back, yeah. which is usually not a great sign. Yeah, I would say Aranda and Pittman are probably, and and Napier. I would say those are the three hottest like sitting on the three hottest seats um among the among your list i think chip kelly too chip kelly I, it's i don't know i mean i guess is he is he really a culture fit at lsu i think that's the bigger issue uh they've oh, no, chip, well. chip, chip, not brian oh not sorry brian, chip chip. Kelly, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't brian kelly fire a bunch of his staffers today yeah clean house he did he did he did yeah um yeah, Chip Kelly, I don't think he even wants to be at UCLA, but I don't know. Um, yeah. So, Ari, I, I want to ask you. Go, I'm sorry, man. Like, you're Mr. Southern California and your lifestyle and all that stuff. We know UCLA has uh, – we know UCLA has its drawbacks. You know, I don't know the inner workings, but the commitment from the university clearly isn't what it is at other big state schools. It's got its drawbacks. Attendance, the Rose Bowl's not 
next to campus and all that. But I just I refuse to believe that that's a seven and five program. Like I, I they should be better. And do you now maybe? Well, you, you made Washington USC happen, hires, so you could make UCLA happen. Exactly. I, I talked Washington into his existence. But hey, USC hired Lincoln Riley, and it's not a snap your fingers instant power. So like maybe I'm totally wrong on the just Southern California. It's a different. We're in, we're in a different world now there, but. I just I want UCLA to be good. I love their uniforms. I just don't get why they are so many. I, I want them to be good. I just love their uniforms. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's analysis right there. I have whiffed so bad on USC. I don't even know if I can talk about this without like being embarrassed. USC is an abomination. Everything that I thought is going the exact opposite way. I do tend to agree that UCLA has a lot to sell in terms of location. I mean, Westwood is beautiful. Um, it plays in an iconic stadium, even if it's an on-campus thing. Um, I don't think players really care where the stadium is. I mean, did Miami players have a hard time with signing with Miami this year because their stadium isn't on campus? Um, their uniforms are indeed beautiful. I do not I haven't forgotten that they used to sign top 10 classes not too long ago. I think if you get the right coach that understand, I mean, listen to like transfers the right way. Like UCLA hasn't been in a terrible team. I think that if you get the right guy in there, Jim cares about recruiting and yeah, cares about recruiting and does it the right way that UCLA is absolutely um, capable of doing something. Now, the thing that I think is most interesting about the state of California is that the teams that have been doing the best are Oregon and Washington almost. Um, you know, USC has done a pretty good job, but it's like so far away from what I thought that was going to look like that. Like, I don't even know how to talk about it. It's like, I'm personally embarrassed by the opinion that I had, <laughs> you know, they took a uh, transfer wide humiliating from, from Tufts. D3 I'm going to have to pay Andy Staples a thousand dollars at the end of next year. What did you bet him? That they would make the playoff at some point in the first three years. It was so close last year. It was. If Caleb didn't get hurt, they might. We were sitting next to each other when Caleb got hurt. I know. He was (laughs) laughing because he knew. Could you hedge at that point? Could you buy out of the bet? Like, I mean, I don't buy out of bets because I'm not a wuss. Um, (laughs) I've been trying to buy out now that I'm losing. I've lost. Um, Trying to say, hey, I'll give you 700 now if you let me out of the bet. And he won't let me out because he knows I lost. Um, And the funniest thing about it is, is that it's a 12 team playoff now. And if they make it as the 12th seed, I still win. You still win. Okay. Yeah, I still win. Are they expanding? No, I didn't know that, but the portal rules didn't change either at the time. So a lot changed um, in the, in the whole process. I didn't know they were going to the big 10 at the time either. So like, I thought they were going to be in the pac 12. I'm like, they're definitely going to do what Washington (laughs) did one year. They did it. Lincoln Riley with all the talent in California with Caleb Williams. In that crap conference, I didn't know that the Pac-12 was going to potentially win a national title, too. In year two, a lot changed in the middle of the bet, but because they moved to the Big Ten, didn't change it. The playoff didn't change it, and they're still not going to make it next year. I think they're going to lose six games next year. Their class was underwhelming. Their transfers are underwhelming. Their quarterback is gone, and their defense stinks. You're listening to the show, and you think I'm a hater, and I'm mad that I lost a 1000 bucks. First of all, I lose a thousand bucks all the time. It's not changing anything. <laughs> uh, um, and secondly, maybe fairly recently, right? <laughs> secondly, um, what do you cling to as USC's direction, and like what makes you feel good about what they're doing? Who, what is their identity, and what are they doing directionally that makes you think they're doing good? There isn't a single thing I can. At least Billy Napier signed two five star prospects. 
Like, even that's like a dumpster fire, and you have something to hold on to. They've got DJ Lagway. Like, what are you holding on to at USC? Does anybody have anything? I mean, I know you got to go. Not not really. Like, I'm, I wasn't as 100%. Like, if you were, if you have on a scale of one to Ari on how convinced you were that like USC was going to be totally awesome, I was, you know, 80% of that. Yeah. I thought there's no reason why they can't be really good and the best in the pack. And do you think that, that it would stuff. look like something that a homeless person would be using to warm their hands in the winter? <laughs> no, I did not. And have you seen those trash cans that they can light on? I've never known how they could do that. <laughs> do they throw what? gas in there or is it just trash that lights those gas, those trash cans? Up? This guy, I don't know. Those metal, have you ever research. seen that? Like a, a metal yeah, of trash course. can it's in the movies middle of the winter the and they're just, yeah, they're always like, they're holding their little fingies over it. Yeah. How do they light that fire? I never, I've never known that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to say anything insensitive, Ari, so why don't we just move on to trivia? Okay, um, go ahead. I've got a meeting that I mentioned. Okay. Yeah. I stole this from Manny's. Manny, you can still partake, but I stole it from your spreadsheet that you sent out the other day that was just like okay. relaxed, dude. A lot of columns, a lot of shade, shading colors, a lot of, <laughs> lot of different things going on there. All right. Two-parter. How many programs in the 2024 cycle uh, have a blue chip ratio of 50% or higher through the, through the early signing period? That's, that's only part one, and there's part two of the question. I'm going to say 14. Grace, what say you? Uh, I was going to say a little less than that, like nine or ten. Ari, you're on mute. Can you repeat the question? <laughs> you're the one who's late to the meeting. I know. Jill just slacked me. Are you coming to the meeting? So just come on. Okay. How many programs? It's a two-parter. How many programs have a blue chip ratio of 50% or better through the early signing period? Eight. 19. Okay. Four. I got to go. Love you guys. Okay, see ya. Our that was part a really two. embarrassing part. From, oh, it's okay. part two. Okay. How many? Uh, four of them, I've given it, four of them have had losing records this year. Name them. Four Florida. teams that have a blue chip ratio over 50% have losing records this year. Florida's Florida's Florida correct. Florida. Uh, Auburn finished you know, six Auburn? and six. six yes, and Auburn went six and seven. Clemson? Um, no, <laughs> I have to go. I'm so distracted. I love you guys. Have a happy new year. Okay, <laughs> You're a, He's a train wreck. Dion signed four out of six, right? Yeah, Dion counts. Oh, yeah. he does yeah. count. You're right. Yeah. What was A&M's record this year? They they made a bowl. Uh, they were yeah. like seven and five. They lost their bowl, but they they were I think seven and six. Oh, uh, South Carolina. Ding 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 ding. There you go. So four programs have a blue chip ratio of 50% or better and had a losing record. Florida, Auburn, South Carolina, and Colorado. Ari is not here to with his very eloquent uh, uh, you know, signing us off, so I'll have to do it. Thank you very much for listening to Stars Matter. It was great to be back this week. Uh, fun show. Uh, a little off the rails at times, but we had a good time. So we will see everyone next week, and take care. Take care.